our good friend, Pastor Jesse Lusco, in studio with us. Hi, Jesse. Hey, Jim. Great to be here with you, as always. Man, you do such a good job. Well, I have so much fun because I get to talk with interesting people like you. And Jesse, we got to forewarn our listeners today. We're talking about kind of a heavy subject. We're going to be talking about abuse. Yeah. Uh, sexual abuse, child abuse, some other things. So I uh, want, sure, want to make sure that everybody that's uh, listening is you know, kind of keeping an eye on their children may not be appropriate content yeah, for absolutely. them. Yeah. But at the same time, it may be something you really need to listen to. Yeah. And it may be something that brings back things in your memories about long time ago in your life. And if mm-hmm. that's true, one of the main emphasis we're going to have today is about how Jesus can pull you out of, it, of being bummed out about that and yeah. heal you. Yeah. Yeah. Bring healing. Absolutely. And, uh, you know, I want to say sometimes it's easy to just focus on ourselself, but I want to just start off saying, you know, maybe you are tempted to want to turn the air off, turn the radio off, but um, I guarantee there is someone in your life who has been sexually abused. I guarantee it. I, I know that the statistics bear that out because, <clears throat> um, yeah, yeah, we're, we'll get into all the statistics and whatnot. But so maybe stay tuned, you know, that, that maybe there's someone that you can weep with those who weep. You can rejoice with those who rejoice. You can bear one another's burdens. When one part of the body suffers, we all suffer. So, you know, maybe you're tempted to want to, oh, I don't I need to listen to that. It doesn't apply to me. Maybe you should listen. Maybe you, sh- maybe you need to listen more than anybody else, you know. And, and so, uh, but hey, I want to start off asking you this question, Jim. Jim, what is your earliest memory in life the first thing you remember about being a human being on this beautiful and broken earth i believe that i was either three or four and my first memory is swimming across los altos pool in albuquerque before they had the top on it um you know it has a big cover on the top of it and my dad was walking in the pool right next to me and i swam all the way across the pool that's my earliest memory wow wow well that's 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 appropriate you know because today we are going to the deep end of the pool that's just the reality and uh um you know i feel um a responsibility to to share my story because i know there's so many other people who have a similar story. Um, but my earliest memory in life, <clears throat> you know, and I have a wonderful family, a wonderful dad, a wonderful mom, you know, beautiful, amazing people. My dad's one of the most godly human beings I know. He just reminds me so much of Jesus. So this isn't like, you know, <laughs> they, 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 they were, they were as blindsided by all this as, as I was obviously, but, but my earliest memory in life is sitting in a therapist's office with a dollhouse in front of me, uh, being like three, you know, three years old or something, maybe four, but probably three, um, having to reenact, uh, what had transpired and how a family friend who had, you know, kind of worked his way into the family, just, just, uh, said he wanted to come to Christ Said my dad was trying to disciple him, trying to mentor him. And, uh, and this man raped me when I was a small, tiny child, you know, and, uh, and my earliest memory in life is being in that therapist office with a, with, uh, some toys in front of me being asked to reenact what happened, uh, to me. And, um, and I guess to immediately jump to a little bit more hopeful topic, uh, you know, not out of fear because we need to get into the deep waters, but one of my second earliest memories is my dad holding me in his arms and telling me Genesis fifty twenty about Joseph. And, uh, you know, maybe you're listening to this and, and, you know, one out of five girls who are below the age of 12, uh, in this country, um, are raped or molested or sexually abused. Um, sorry, I, I think I got that, that stat wrong. Yes. Yeah, one out of four girls, and one out of six boys. So that's how common it is. And those statistics might not even be accurate because a lot of it goes unreported. And um, it's usually not a stranger. It's usually a family member, a cousin, an uncle, um, a family friend, like in my case. It's, it's, it's I think, in, in you know less than 
like five percent of the time or, or something like that is it is it a stranger it's usually someone you know oh, yeah 93 93 percent of them they know their abusers is what this stat um says but jumping to a more hopeful note my dad you know held me in his arms and said genesis fifty twenty. you know joseph had been a actual slave who was tortured we, we got to remember slaves are tortured imagine every day having having somebody abuse you and whip you and beat you and force you to do labor. You know, Joseph was wrongfully accused. He was left to rot in a dungeon. Uh, his brothers bullied him. You know, I, I'm the youngest boy in my family. I know what it's like to have older brothers. They bully you. That's what they do. Uh, Joseph's older brothers bullied him. You know, David's older brothers bullied him. Um, <clears throat> you know, Joseph was in slavery and in a dungeon for 20 years. But God exalted him, and when he sees his brothers, he said, they're terrified. You know, they think he's going to get revenge. And, and he says, as for you, you meant it for evil. But God meant it for good to bring about the saving of many lives. And I remember being a, a tiny child in my dad's arms and him telling me that I was a superhero and that, uh, you know, the windows in Bible Island here at Calvary were installed in the classes because of what happened to me back in the early 90s. And um, I remember my dad telling me that that, um, that God was going to make me a Joseph and that uh, through my suffering and pain, he was going to bring about the saving of many lives. And, and that's kind of the Romans 8.28 of the Old Testament <clears throat> So if you're listening to the radio, I want I want you to know that the God of Joseph is your God and that the God of Job and David and Jeremiah and 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 uh you know um Hannah and Leah and the the God of of Ruth um all of these women who are the last and least and the weakest these men who are the runts of the litter God has chosen the weak things of the world to bring shame to the wise. And I, and I want you to know that the God of Joseph is, is your God and he can bring redemption to your story. I'm blessed by what you just said, because I've been recently sharing with a, a friend of mine uh, that she's not seeing herself the way God sees her. Mm -hmm. And I know that he has just got amazing things for her and she's going to, if she just trusts him and lets him take over, everything that could have been bad in her life would literally change and God would use her. And it's even interesting, Jesse, you're so willing to share your story openly. Mm -hmm. And I know that people that are listening today that have faced this kind of thing, their hearts are lifted up. Yeah. But as we're talking, I can't help but think, Jesse, that there's some abusers listening. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, and they, and they can be healed as well. Yeah, I mean we can dive into that if if you'd like. Yeah, I mean we well maybe a little we, bit we can, later we can get more into that a, a, a bit later. But yeah, you know if if you're listening to the air right now and you maybe as a as a kid you did this to a little brother or a cousin or or sister or or maybe you're a grown adult, uh, I want you to know that God is a God of justice. And he's a God of judgment, and he's a God of righteousness, and he's a God of holiness, and he hates wickedness. But he's also a God of grace, and a God of mercy, and a God of love. And sin is not okay. It's not okay. Somebody has to pay. Either the abused person's going to pay, or the abuser's going to pay. But somebody has to pay. And, and, and what the cross is what the gospel is, is Jesus said, you know what? All of you humans, you're all victims and you're all villains. You've all hurt people. You've all been hurt by people. And somebody has to pay, but on the cross, Jesus paid. And he paid not so that you could stay the same, but so that you could change. And and, and we, we can get more into that later if, if they're, you know, our abusers, but, but I, but I want to tell you, God loves you. Um, the Roman world was full of murder and violence and rape. The fa the founding myth of Rome 
includes stories of them raping the Sabian women, that, that, that the city of Rome had a shortage, there weren't enough girls being born. So part of their glorious story, their, their, their Plymouth Rock story, was the Romans going and raping another village. Okay, that, that, that's the founding story of Rome. Jesus can save abusers. Jesus loves Romans. Those Romans became Christians. They were saved. They were trained. They, 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 they were murdering people. But, but Jesus, he, he said, love your enemies. Bless those who curse you. Pray for those who spitefully use and persecute you. So you can be forgiven. But man, you better know this. That um, if you don't repent... Jesus is going to come back with a sword coming out of his mouth. He's going to come back with a flame of fire and you will pay forever in hell if you don't repent. Jesse, let's switch back to people that have been maybe living with something like you. Had you not had this not been addressed by your loving family when you were very young. Yeah. You may even now be still having to go through it, but you've, you've had many, many years of love. Yes. Joseph, you mentioned him as an example. Here's yeah. a guy that was thrown in a hole and held until his brother sold him off. And then he was taken into slavery. But through his faithfulness and all the things that he did, he be- became one of the most powerful people politically. <laughs> yeah. And one of the things I know about him is that this abuse at the hands of his family actually gave him great wisdom. Yeah. I mean, as a businessman, this is a guy that basically made sure everybody was fed during a terrible time of famine. Absolutely. And I have to imagine that that is just a way God used this terrible circumstance in his life to teach him and to train him up and get him ready for greatness. And I have to believe that people today that are dealing with this kind of thing and listening to the show today, God will do great things with them. Yes, I absolutely believe that and you know um the greatest thing god wants to do in every human being's life is to make us into the image of christ you know that's joseph joseph he looks so much like jesus joseph he's sold for pieces of silver sound familiar Mm. he's despised by his own his own people his own family he's uh his father thinks that he's dead but he has this resurrection and he's he's lifted up to the right hand of power joseph looks a lot like jesus and romans eight twenty nine is the greatest verse in the bible and romans eight twenty eight is awesome right but it kind of sounds like a hallmark card it's like you know we know that all things work together for good we don't know what that good is you know oh god's got a purpose we'll never know what that no you know what the good is you know what the purpose is read the next verse it says it says we, and we know that all things work together for good to those who love God and are called according to his purpose. For whom he foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of the Son, that he might be the firstborn among many brothers, and, or, or many, many brothers and sisters, many brethren. And I want you to know, what God wants to do in you through your suffering is humble you, soften you, make you compassionate, make you into the image of Jesus. And then from there, he's going to use you to bring many brothers and sisters into his image. And, and, and that's what I'm praying is happening through my life is, is that people are being saved, just like in Joseph's life. He says, you meant it for evil, Satan, but God meant it for good, for the saving of many lives. Yes. Jesse Lusko is in studio with us this afternoon. He is the Calvary Church Westside pastor. He is also a son. He's a father and a husband. Jesse serves to lift up hurting people with the gospel of kindness, empathy, long-suffering, really care. And more than anything, he emphasizes the Savior that lives today. So stay with us on ABQ Connect. More with Jesse Lusko and Abuse Everybody that has any possible uh, sexual abuse in their in their past, maybe rape, could have been as a child or an adult. 
if you've been abused emotionally, if you've been abused in any way, this might be a great show for you because this is all about healing. This is all about what God can do, what great things God can do with people that go through this kind of tough stuff. Our culture, Jesse, is really suspect and contributing to a lot of this, isn't it? It, yeah, it absolutely is. You know, and and it's um you know, Jesus said out of the heart of man comes evil thoughts and adulteries and sexual immoralities and murders, you know, that that it's the heart of man. It's every human heart. Every human being. It's always oh, it's it's Hollywood's fault. It's these people's fault. No, actually, it's 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 we're all complicit. Every single one of us is complicit. When when Daniel prays at Daniel 9, he says Lord, we have broken your covenant. We have turned from your law. You're like, wait, Daniel, you're perfect. You're the most, Ezekiel says you're one of the most righteous human beings in all of history. Yeah, I want to know how a real righteous human being thinks. They don't go, those bad people over there on this side, those bad people. No, a righteous human being goes like Isaiah 53, says, we like sheep have gone astray. We've turned each one to his own way. And the Lord's laid on him the iniquity of us all. But our culture is lost and confused. So you ever see the movie The Matrix? Yes. All right. So the Wachowski brothers, now they're the Wachowski sisters, uh, apparently, which is just, there you go. I'll, no, no comment necessary. But uh, in that movie, there's that little guy who's the little computer guy. And he's like, I know what you were doing. You were looking at the woman in the red dress. You know that part of the scene with Keanu Reeves in the original one? And then he has this line that obviously the Wachowskis wrote that pretty much sums up our culture. He says, to deny our own impulses is to deny the very thing that makes us human. And that's what our culture believes. I mean, I could tell you quote after quote. Hugh Hefner said, if you let society and your peers define who you are, you're the less for it. One of the great ironies of our society is that we celebrate freedom and then we limit the parts of life where we should be the most free. Oh, it sounds so liberated, right? Oh my gosh, Hugh Hefner. Oh man, the Wachowski brothers. We need to be free. We need we need to be so free, right? Aldous Huxley, we've talked about him before, but uh, he's a famous atheist, and he was on the world to have a meaning. Uh, I assumed it had no meaning, and I and um, for me and most of my friends, the philosophy of meaninglessness, atheism was essentially an instrument of liberation from a certain system of morality. We objected to that morality because it interfered with our sexual freedom. You know, I heard it said about Marquis Dussade, he was an atheist from around the French Revolution, he said, uh, rejecting belief in God is the first step towards unleashing your genitals and enjoying life. Hey, you hear that quote at college, right? It's like, whoa, yeah. I'm not at mom and dad's house anymore. <laughs> like, oh my gosh, I just got this new iPhone and give me some Pornhub. Going to get up on here, going to get on Tinder, going to get on Bumble, get all that. Yeah, yeah, it all sounds really good, right? To deny our own impulses is deny the very thing that makes us human. But then we heard the name Harvey Weinstein. Then we heard the name Louis C.K., then we heard the name Kevin Spacey and Charlie Rose and Matt Lauer and Aziz Ansari and James Franco and Jeffrey Epstein. And so the list goes on. Whether it's Wall Street executives or corporate CEOs or university professors or pastors or congressmen or presidents. I mean, I mean, it's every right. Hugh Hefner propped open the door and Harvey Weinstein walked in and read a uh, Washington post. Um, when did you go to college, Jim graduated in 80, 80. Nice. Uh, uh, what in where, where did you graduate from? Oh, New Mexico from, state. Yeah. No university oh. of New Mexico. Oh, university of New Mexico. Okay. Right. Now you can I got never, confused. you can never label, label me an Aggie brother. Oh man. I'm so I'm sorry. A Lobo, true Forgive blue. me. But I love the Aggies. Did, did, were you, Second. did you ever mention being in Las Cruces maybe for a game? Oh, let me air. tell you. I had yeah. my share of yeah. beat downs because yeah. the Aggies were tough. We went to playing in, yeah. at, at the Pan American Center at, in yeah. Las Cruces is a great place. Yeah. So so I bring this up because Lisa Wade of Occidental College uh, wrote a book called American Hookup. And other researchers have done this. This is a secular research. Do, uh, Dr. Melina Bersaman uh, looked at hookup culture, Tinder culture, Bumble culture, you know, all these all these uh, online hookup dating sites. They found that people who recently had casual sex had higher rates of anxiety, higher rates of 
social anxiety, higher rates of depression. It wasn't just among men. It was among, uh, it wasn't just among women. It was among men. But least weight of Occidental College describes how hookup culture has created a rape culture. And the Washington Post reports from a Kaiser poll, uh, the Kaiser Foundation poll, that one in five women are sexually assaulted while at college. That's an astronomical thing. One in five. But wait, it gets worse. The Department of Justice report on the Association of American Universities says it's one in four women get raped at college. And and that seems like it's it, it, okay to a lot of us. Oh my God, it's not okay. It's not okay to the victims. Yeah, I mean, I, and but, I don't. Yeah. I don't want to diminish. Yeah, I don't want to diminish yeah. um, some of the. And these are new statistics since the iPhone was invented. I, I, since these apps were invented, I'm I'm not comparing the two. Yeah, but the statistics yeah. are startling. So if you yeah. take the number of people that of any color, yeah, that are murdered on purpose by law enforcement, that number compared to the number of clean shootings, clean arrests and everything else is very, very small. Yeah. Not that it diminishes any of the lives that are lost. Yeah. But when you start talking about what you're talking about now, you're talking about 25% of our population of all races. Yeah. Are facing this issue. Yeah. Yeah. Where's the protest for that? I mean, you, mean where, you, might, you might be talking to the wrong guy. Oh, I'm telling you, you might be talking to the wrong guy. We got to rise up as, <laughs> yeah, as, uh, yeah. in, in our own yeah. self-awareness and in, our, in yeah. our churches. And we got to say, gosh, this is more prevalent yeah. than we thought. Yeah. And I, and I don't, I don't really want to dive in. I think we sometimes have a tendency to say like, oh man, this evil is more important than that evil. Mm. But you know, they're all connected. I'll just give you an example. We don't like talking about systemic things, but let me tell you a story about ancient Corinth. All right. Mm-hmm. And I think sometimes it's helpful to get out of our cultural moment where everything's so high intensity, so much pressure. But let me talk talk to you about systems for a second. In ancient Corinth, you could read about Corinth and hear, oh, there was the temple to Aphrodite, and there were these evil seductresses who would come down, from, and I've been to Corinth, who would come down from the women, from the mountain, and ply their trade on unsuspecting sailors and lure them to bed because these were evil women. Or you could be a student of history, and you could find out that in ancient Rome, they practiced infanticide and that they were leaving babies on the sides of hillsides. And when girls were born, they didn't want a girl. They wanted a son. They'd abandon the babies on the, on the sides of hills, abandon them, and that uh, temple priests and, and evil men would come and raise those baby girls to be prostitutes. And, 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 and it, was, it was a system. And Christianity flipped the system by coming and adopting those baby girls and making them into Christians. Mm. So, so I don't, I don't, I don't really want to get in, in yeah. into into all the oh, this movement matters more than that movement. Man, God sees it as a whole. It's all connected. We're we're, we're a corrupt culture where we worship money. I'll tell you, I'll tell you this: there's idolatry of prosperity. We entice people through sexuality, and it leads to cruelty and oppressive poverty. Mm-hmm. And God sees all of it. But, but, uh, but, um, um, and sorry to be kind of forceful on that point. But, but, anyways, so all these women being raped, all, all, all this is just insane. Well, get get this: the New York Times in 2019 published a gut wrenching article called The Internet is Overrun with Images of Sexual Abuse Against Children. And um, it said, you know, pornography is horrendous because it's like a drug addiction. You're chasing the dragon. You're chasing the dragon. You think it's freedom, but it's actually oppression and bondage. But it's as addictive as a drug. Yeah. And and they they said that in 1998, when the Internet was invented, there was 3,000 reports of sexual abuse against children on the Internet. Okay, 3,000 when the Internet was first invented. In 2014, the number reached a million. In 2018, four years later, there were 18.4 million images of sexual abuse against children. And this is the New York Times. Oh, it's, it's, we can't trust them. Fake news, right? No, no. This is, this is real, all right? In 2019, tech companies reported 45 million images and photos of videos of children being sexually abused. And, 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 um, 
You know what this is happening to? It's happening to kids who are trapped in poverty. And that's why I'm saying this is all connected, is, is that we worship money in this culture in, in, in one area, and we kind of turn a blind eye at that, and we worship sex in this other part of our culture, and, and, and the other side turns a blind eye to that. It's all God sees it all, man. We are a, I'm a man of unclean lips in the midst of a people of unclean lips. <clears throat> Jesse, there's a quote that I yeah. have on my phone that I look at periodically yeah. when people tell me that. They want to have sexual freedom, and they want to do what yeah. they want. Yeah. And and we all know, secular scientists even say yeah. it's very addictive. Yes, um, it yes. takes over people, their minds. It takes yeah. over their hearts. It's physically does things yeah. to them. But there was a guy named Timothy, Timothy, Timothy Stafford. Yeah, he worked uh, years ago in youth ministry and very well published. And he has a quote that I like to read. It says, "Sexual impulses are like walking a lion on a leash." Sometimes he goes where you want him to. Sometimes he will not. Sometimes he turns around and devours you. Yeah. Yep. Harvey Weinstein didn't just wake up one day and decide, I want to destroy my career. No, it was one click at a time, one playboy at a time, one decision at a time. And and, 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 and slowly, those choices shape who you are. And And... You know, there there are people, there are kids out there right now looking at porn at the age of seven years old on their parents' iPhones, on the, on the on the iPads their parents put in front of them, eight years old. The average age to see porn in this country is eight years old. It shapes your brain. And the law of diminishing return kicks in where, where you have to do, it's just like a drug, you have to do a, a bigger hit. And so it gets crazier. And, there, and there's so much research saying it gets darker and darker and more depraved. You are 300% more likely to sexually abuse someone if you look at porn. You're, you're, you're 400% more likely to visit a prostitute if you look at porn. It, like, 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 it's shaping who you are. And, and, and I've heard it said, sin always takes you further than you wanted to go. It makes you stay longer than you wanted to stay. And it makes you pay more than you wanted to pay. Nobody wakes up thinking, you know what, I'm just going to abuse some kids. But but when you live a life like the Wachowski brothers are telling you to, I'm just going to follow my impulses. I'm going to follow that lion. I'm just going to let the lion off the leash. Man, it takes you to some places where you end up like Bill Cosby, mm-hmm. where you end up like, like Kevin Spacey, where you end up flushing your life down the toilet and the lives of, of countless others. Yeah. You know? Jesse Lusco is a pastor of the Westside Campus, Calvary Church in Albuquerque. And we're going to be back with more from Jesse. Talking about abuse today, heavy subject. By the way, if you do want to call Jesse, feel free to do that. You can call us at 505-338-5790. We would like to hear from people that have had an experience. And we would love to see God use that experience to change other people's lives and to encourage other people. But if you need encouragement, Jesse Lusco is the guy to give it to you. He's God's instrument today. Stay with us. We'll be right back. Abuse today. You're so gracious. I know that kind of hard to sleep before you have days on the radio like this because this topic is very heavy and there's, you know, there's spiritual oppression. There's, there's things happening in, people's minds that have had this kind of thing happen to them in their lives, Jesse. So yeah. there is healing. Yeah. And I know you want to talk about, even in your own life, how, how do you forgive somebody mm. that may have mm. perpetrated this against you? Yeah. Well, let me, let me start off with this. Cause I think some of us, we don't know our Bibles well enough, honestly, <laughs> and we rush, you know, to that, but, but I want to start off and, and I'm going to, I'm going to lead us to forgiveness but I want to start off. I want if you're listening to this on the air and, and you've experienced some of that abuse, um, I just want to tell you that uh, Psalm 147:3 says, "The Lord is near to the brokenhearted; He binds up their wounds." Psalm 147:3. Psalm 146:79. He upholds the cause of the oppressed. Because this is victimization. You've been you've been victimized here. You've been oppressed. You've been violated. And you know we were talking earlier about you know sometimes there's a tendency in our culture to say oh it was just meaningless sex it was just casual sex like 
oh, you know, and, and it was consensual. It didn't mean anything. We just had it. Want to know how I know that's not true? Would you rather be punched in the face, Jim, or would you rather be sexually abused? Punched in the face. Yeah. Because we know that there's something deeper about sex mm-hmm. than other forms of violence. And that's why any kind of sex, sex is powerful, right? And particularly this kind of oppression, this kind of victimization of being sexually assaulted or sexually abused or sexually harassed, uh, it is particularly awful. But Psalm 146, 7 and 9, the Lord sets the prisoners free. The Lord, Yahweh, gives sight to the blind. Yahweh lifts up those who are bowed down. The Lord, he loves the righteous. He watches over the foreigner. He sustains the fatherless and the widow. But the ways of the wicked, he frustrates. The Lord, he mocks proud mockers, but he shows favor to the humble and oppressed. He, he, uh, good will come to those who are, are generous and, and, and give freely, who conduct their affairs with justice. Uh, Psalm 103, 6, the Lord is righteous. He does justice for the oppressed. Uh, Psalm 82, 2 through 4, how long will you defend the unjust and show partiality to the wicked? Defend the weak, the fatherless, uphold the oppressed, rescue the weak and the needy, deliver them from the hand of the wicked. And when Jesus comes on the scene, specifically that 146 verses, it's amazing. Wonder where Jesus, well, there's, there's a lot I could say that's, that's amazing, but, but in Luke 4, the very first sermon Jesus ever gives, you probably know it. Do you know, do you know what he gives? He says, the spirit of the Lord God is upon me. I, I don't know the words, but I know what you're talking oh, about. Okay. So he opens Isaiah, and I think it's Isaiah 61 in Luke 4, and he says, the spirit of the Lord God is upon me because he's anointed me to preach good news to the poor, to, to, set, uh, to, to open the eyes of the blind, to heal the brokenhearted, to set at liberty the captives, to set the prisoners free. That's what Jesus comes to do, right? And, and we, I think sometimes in, 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 our, in our paradigm of Christianity, we talk so much about how Jesus comes to forgive you of your sins, and that's absolutely right. And we're going to talk more about that as the show goes on. Absolutely, Jesus comes to forgive you of your sins. But there's a huge side of the Bible and the gospel that, that we don't talk about as often, and that's that Jesus also came to heal you of the sins committed against you. He came to heal the brokenhearted. He came to lift up those who are bowed down. He came to set at liberty the captives. And, and Jesus came, it, it, he, Jesus, through the gospel, set me free. And a part of that healing was forgiveness. Because I was so torn up with, from being raped that I told my best friend Clay when I was nine that my only purpose in life was to murder that man. Mm-hmm. said, my only goal in life, my only mission in life is to find the man who did that to me and murder him. Mm-hmm. You know, but, but Jesus goes on and, and he talks about the way he heals the brokenhearted. What does he say? He says, blessed are the merciful for they shall receive mercy. Love your enemies. Bless those who curse you. Pray for those who spitefully use and persecute you. He, he comes to, and, 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 and before I go on into this, uh, do, do, okay, you'll, you'll, you'll know this one. Where, where did Jesus shut up, set up his, his headquarters? Where, he calls Peter, where are they? They're at the Sea of? Galilee. Galilee, right? It's called Galilee of the Gentiles. Mm. You know that? Do you know, do you know what the Sea of Galilee's other name was? No the sea of tiberius hmm. want to know who was caesar when jesus was on earth tiberius. tiberius caesar right he named the sea of galilee galilee of the gentiles the people who have sat in darkness they have seen a great light jesse by the way yeah. i don't want i don't want to yeah. let go of the thing about caesar yeah i was reading a commentary yeah. about the various caesars yeah. and yep. some of the sexual things that oh, they yeah, were that's into. where i was going yes and a lot of that was caused by venereal disease oh man attacking the brain oh, and just total craziness oh it's 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 horrifying but uh yeah that's exactly where i was headed is that is that um in matthew 4 it says in galilee of the gentiles the people who sat in darkness have seen a great light jesus sets up headquarters of the sea of tiberius all right 
Want to know what Tiberius Caesar was known for? He retired to a cliffside palace called Capri, where day and night he had orgies. He said he was a, he was a man, uh, Seneca writes about him, says he was a man who repelled all friendship because his, his dad never loved him. He had no relationship with his father. He repelled all friendship. He had day and night orgies. And you know when, when, when you're pushing the limits, first you're looking at a Victoria's Secret. Then it's not enough. You know, then you've got to get crazier and wilder and wilder and wilder. Well, by the time Tiberius at the end of his life, he's not looking at playboys anymore, man. He's having men have sex in front of him. Women have sex in front of him. Orgies. He starts having sex with little boys. He starts having sex with little girls. Uh, Tiberius, this is the king of the world when Jesus is on earth. He's having sex with newborn babies. Uh, like five different Roman authors write about this. And, and if you think it's false, just research the archaeological evidence for how they, they, they flush babies down the toilets at the Roman bathhouses. Uh, you know, if you think this is false, look at the, look at the, the paintings and mosaics at Pompeii. All right, this is how Rome was. But guess what? This is what Caesar would do with the kids when he was done. I was reading another book called How Christianity Changed the World that, that Tiberius loved to watch people drown. And when he was done having sex with these children, he would throw them off the cliffs of his palace with stones tied around their neck. Sound familiar? Jesus, in Matthew 18, let me read you this passage. So powerful. said, Then Jesus called a little child to him and sat him in the midst. They said, Who's the greatest? He said, Assuredly, I say to you, unless you're converted... And become as these little children, you'll by no means enter the kingdom of heaven. Therefore, whoever humbles himself as a little child is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven. Whoever receives one of these little children in my name receives me. Whoever causes one of these little ones to stumble who believe in me, it'd be better if a millstone were hung around his neck and he were drowned in the depths of the sea. Woe to him who causes offenses, for offenses must come. But woe to the man by whom the offense comes. If your hand causes you to sin, cut it off. It's better to be enter, enter into life maimed than having two hands and be cast into everlasting fire. If your eye causes you to sin, pluck it out. It'd be better to enter into heaven having one eye than be thrown into the lake of fire with two eyes. Take heed that you don't despise these little ones. For I say to you that in heaven their angels always see the face of my Father who's in heaven. For the Son of Man has come to save that which was lost. What do you think? If a man has a hundred sheep and he goes after them, won't he go looking for them? Won't he find them? Ninety-nine, uh, Go looking for the one sheep and the ninety-nine go astray? Verse 14. Even so will your Father who is in heaven for those little ones uh, should not perish. He's talking about Tiberius. He set up his headquarters. The King of Kings sets up his headquarters at the Sea of Tiberias. Why? Because these Jewish women had been raped by the Romans. Hmm. Because these Jewish men had been raped and plundered and oppressed and trampled on by the Romans. But here's the mind-blowing thing about the gospel is that Jesus says to pray, Lord, forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. You cannot enter into the kingdom of grace while living in the world of revenge. If I want grace for myself, I have to let go of revenge for myself. I have to enter into the kingdom of grace. And so, and so, um, that's part of how God heals the brokenhearted. You know, it's been said that. When you forgive, you set a prisoner free, and that prisoner is you. Let me ask you about that. You yeah. mentioned when you were young, I yeah. think you said 11. Yeah. You wanted to murder yeah. this person that raped you when you were younger. Mm. When did you let that go, and what did God replace that with? Yeah, man. Um, gosh. Well, it all, it, yeah, it was, my, my parents got divorced. My mom kind of wandered from the Lord, and she's come back to the Lord, man. I, I actually have some rich fellowship with my mom these days, which is such a blessing. She came and took communion with me. She comes, she's come to church some and worship with me, which is amazing. But she wandered away from the Lord. And my dad, who's an amazing man of God, just a rock dude. And he's not perfect. He's a sinner. He's a sinner, of course. But, but, um, 
he stuck close to the Lord, but he had to step down at a public ministry for a while. He voluntarily did it. And, um, uh, that shattered my self-righteousness. It shattered my identity. And I had to go from a place where I had inherited religion, hand me down faith to taking hold of my faith for myself. And, and I was so full of rage and anger when my parents got divorced, rage at God, rage at everyone. But I finally came to this place where, where I realized like, Oh, I don't just know about Jesus. Like, Oh, I, I know all that. I came to this place where I went, I need Jesus. And in the words of Isaiah 53, five by his stripes, we are healed. And I realized that Jesus paid for my debt, but that his cross was also enough to pay for the debt of my abuser. And, and, and that doesn't mean that, gosh, that doesn't mean the abuse is okay. Forgiveness and trust are not the same thing. Just because you forgive someone doesn't mean you have to trust them, you know, but, but, but uh, um, that, that's foolishness. I mean, there's so much wisdom in the Bible that, that talks about this, but, but, it, but I came to this place where I can genuinely tell you if that man walked across the Calvary campus, I could tell him what you did was wicked, what you did was costly, but Jesus' blood is enough for my sin and for your sin. And I forgave that man and it's transformed my life, you know, and you can't force people to get there. No, you can't force them to get there, but you can show them the beauty of the cross and show them, guess what? Jesus knows your pain. Jesus was abused by Romans. I I, I don't know if they sexually abused him. I don't know, but he was stripped naked. He wasn't wearing a loincloth on that cross. Mm -hmm. The the first picture of Jesus on the Palatine Hill, it's it's a crucified donkey Mm. naked his penis exposed on the cross. That's the first picture of Jesus. Alexander most worships his God. Jesus knows what it's like to be abused. Mm. And Jesus came to heal the brokenhearted. The most common word used of Jesus emotions is the word compassion. In the old Testament, it's the most common word used of Yahweh. Uh, One of the most common, you know, in Exodus 34, the first word is compassionate. Well, in, in, Old English, the word compassion means co, with, passion, suffer. Jesus came to suffer with us. I serve the God who sympathizes with me in my weaknesses because he was tested in every way yet without sin. Jesse, there are people listening yeah. that want to know how you got to forgiveness. Yeah, And I think some of them have questions about why and how God uses suffering. Yeah. To make things better. So we're going to talk about that. We've got one more break. Say thank you to our sponsors. We'll be back with more from Jesse Lusco right after these messages. God is love. God's love is intrinsic. It is as essential to God as light is to the sun, as blue is to the sky, as wet is to water. You don't make water wet. It is wet. In all of these cases, the attribute is intrinsic to the object. Take great joy in your God. He loves you. Hey, this is Pastor Scott Tom of Cross Christian Fellowship. Connect with us at crossfellowship.org. To a patient with high desert hospice, something as simple as a caring touch, a smile, a prayer, or even just physical presence can bring comfort beyond measure. I was unsure about volunteering, but when I met my first patient, I knew I had made the right decision. The patients and families are so grateful. You can't help but feel good. Discover just how easy and fulfilling volunteering with High Desert Hospice can be. Go to highdeserthospice.care. That's highdeserthospice.care. And click on volunteer. The most important information anyone can receive comes from an understanding of the Bible. Only here do we find direct revelation about all things, about life and relationship with God. Life doesn't always provide us with time or opportunity to break away and study the Bible full time. That's why KNKT is dedicated to presenting round-the-clock teaching by some of the best communicators we can find about Scripture and how it relates to our lives. We need to be exposed to the full counsel of God's Word. And now, KNKT. KNKT presents a Bible School of the Air. Each Saturday starting at 9 a.m., KNKT will present Through the Bible, verse-by-verse teachings by Chuck Smith and Chuck Missler. Skip Heitzig, followed by a question-and-answer session with Scott Richards. 
We'll be rotating through the Old and New Testament. So drop into our Bible journey at any time and go through the entire Word of God with us. The KNKT Bible School of the Air. Tuition is free. The rewards are eternal. Take your seat Saturdays at 9 a.m. on 107.1 FM. On KNKT, this is ABQ Connect with Jim Williams. We are back with Jesse Lusco. He is a pastor with Calvary Church. You want to visit uh, Calvary Westside. They do some fun things on Friday. Have yes. a movie night, yeah, Jesse. Yeah. Oh, man, i got a couple great things at Westside to invite you to. Uh, we got yeah, movie nights right now. We're doing sports movies. They're doing Space Jam this week, <laughs> which is throwback, right? A basketball movie. It's God's oh, yeah. inspired movie. What yeah, that's think? right. There you go. MJ, <laughs> you watched The Last Dance? Oh, yeah. Oh, wow. so good, man. Yeah, you know, and I didn't know all the things going yeah. on with the Chicago Bulls. But yeah. just to see the personalities and what was going amazing. on. Amazing. For the New Mexico connection, yeah. we all got to see our yeah. former center, Luke Longley. Yeah. Was on three of the, the last cool. three uh, championships cool. that they won. But, uh, but yeah, the other thing we got going on at West Side coming up is, uh, you know, we're at Coors Montano. Super easy to see, super easy to find. That's one of the most busy ex- intersections in the city. But uh, over there at Coors Montano on uh, September 20th, we're going to have a worship night just to cast our cares on the Lord, you know, just to cry out to Jesus and uh, um, bear one another's burdens and just have a great time worshiping with battle drums. It's going to be a killer night. So it's September 20th. Uh, it's next or this coming Sunday, actually. So, yeah, it's 6 p.m. But, uh, but yeah, um, we're talking about some heavy subject matter, right, Jim? Oh, man. And, and Jesse, you mentioned uh, there's, this is a process. Yeah. But the first thing you got to yeah. do, I, I remember you told us a long time ago, addiction... Um, Thrives in isolation. That's right. Yeah. And and as soon as you have meaningful relationships, yep. it's like the addiction gets oh. broken. Can you get addicted to revenge and anger? Oh, absolutely. Man, watch Batman. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> That's the lesson of Bruce Wayne, right? <laughs> the Dark Knight is just like... You know, I think, I think there's actually a powerful scene in the Val Kilmer Batman. Sorry, George Clooney, that one was trash. <laughs> but but, but uh, the Val Kilmer one, there's this part where he's like, you kill again. He's telling Robin, he's like, you kill again. You think it'll satisfy the pain, but you just feel worse. You do it again and again. It's, it's powerful, you know. It's crazy, and 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 um, yeah. I think you can get addicted, and and I, I want to say something really important. Um, you, I, I keep doing this to you, Jim. Hopefully, I'm not putting you on the spot. My goal is not to embarrass you. I just don't want to. I want to include you in the conversation. But but you know, from the First Corinthians 13, the love chapter. Yes. What's the first thing it says about love? Love is patient. Love is patient. Mm. You know, God's patient with you. You need to forgive your abuser, but, but, but we need to be patient with people. Love is patient. Help people grow. Help people get there. Man, it, it took me years to really, and, and I still have trauma. You know, you're, I, have, I have a manic depression, bipolar disorder. You know, 33% of people who are sexually abused have suicidal thoughts, they have depression. Um, people with bipolar are twice as likely to have ha- had sexual abuse in their life. People have it. So just be patient, be compassionate, be tender. Um, I want to really encourage you, you know, find a professional counselor who doesn't just treat you like a, like a science experiment. I've said, I've had some bad counselors. Find a, a Christian counselor who knows the word, who loves the Bible, but who suffered themselves maybe. Mm. And and uh, and don't give up. Be patient. Have endurance. You know, find a professional counselor if you've been through this. It's 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 so important. But um, there's something a bit challenging. I want to say, and I want to say it humbly, and I want to say it boldly. Um, but uh, you know, Ezekiel thirty four four is talking about shepherds, and the word pastor means shepherd. And in Ezekiel 34, God's talking to the pastors of ancient Israel, and he says, you've not strengthened the weak or healed the sick. You've not bound up the injured. You've not brought back the strays or searched for the lost of your flock. You've ruled them harshly and brutally. And in Ezekiel 34, 9, the Lord says, I'm against those shepherds, and I will hold them accountable for my flock. I will remove them from tending the flock so that the shepherds can no longer feed themselves. I will rescue my flock from their mouths and it will no longer be food for them. And in verse 16, the Lord says, I will search for the lost 
I will bring back the strays. I'll bind up the injured and strengthen the weak. But the sleek and the strong I will destroy. I will shepherd the flock with justice. And Jesus is the good shepherd. Who he goes to broken down prostitutes. He goes to weary weary women with issues of blood. He goes to um, the, the lady caught in the act of adultery. He goes to... Uh, you know, desperate fathers and, and, and Roman centurions and tax collectors. And, and he goes to the weak. And, and, and I'm going to say this humbly and I'm going to say it boldly, but if I sought to please men, I would not be a servant of Christ. If there's a certain leader who has boasted about sexually assaulting women and gone on record saying that he's never asked God for forgiveness... If it's your conviction to support that leader, that's up to you. But if you shame and bully people into supporting that leader, you are not acting like Jesus. You are acting like the people who killed him. Because if you've never been raped, how dare you tell someone who has what they ought to do? You know, it says, it says in, in Matthew, it says, um, it says, these people honor me with their lips and they draw near to me with their mouths, but their hearts are far from me. And he says, they teach traditions of men as though they were commands of God. And I, and I just got to say that like Jesus is the only one who gets to say, if you're not for me, you're against me. So I, I feel like I needed to say that. I don't even care. I, if I sought to please men, I would not be a servant of Christ. The most exciting thing to yeah. me, Jesse, in yeah. observing your life yeah. and in knowing the biblical record and in seeing people today that I know God has used mightily after being injured, yeah, maybe sexually abused, God has wants to take everybody. Yeah. Not just heal you. Yeah. He wants you to win the Tour de France. Yes. After he heals you. Yeah. Yeah. He really does. Yeah. He wants you to be great and yeah. to touch people's lives and you can be healed from this. And yes. so I can't, I can't, I, I can never imagine what it's like to yeah. be raped. I, yeah. I, I hope I never have to know. I yeah. pray that my kids never yeah. have to know. Yeah. But. I appreciate you sharing with us so much today, Jesus. Jesus, he came to heal the brokenhearted and to bind up their wounds. Thank you, Jesse.